follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to the 222nd episode of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I became an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is continuous contact for intercontinental family caregiving. Intercontinental family caregiving is a form of long-distance family caregiving. Long-distance family caregiving so often involves multicultural and immigrant communities. Long-distance family caregiving commonly occurs in these communities when the younger members of families live in, on one continent, such as North America, and older members of families live on another, such as South Asia. Long-distance family caregiving creates challenges for families in respecting their cultural traditions of caring for aging parents and for family members in need of care because of illness. It creates challenges for aging parents and family members in need of family caregiving. Uh, it creates challenges for immigrants building their lives and supporting their families in North America. And it builds challenges for medical professionals, such as doctors, in providing care for long-distance families and family members. But information technology enables continuous long-distance contact for families and medical personnel. So the topic, this is our topic, continuous contact for intercontinental family caregiving is so important for more and more people. To discuss it, our guest is Zakia Hussain. Zak is the founder, chairman, president and CEO of Velo Mobile Health. He's also the president and CEO of Velo Solutions, a telecommunications wholesaler based in Toronto, Canada. He's the founder of PharmaVida SA, a pharmaceutical distributor incorporated and based in Guatemala. He served as founder and CEO of Just Solar Corporation, director of marketing at CDI Education Corporation, and analyst at Venture De- Development Corporation. In addition to his impressive credentials, he's fluent in English, Italian, Bengali, and he possesses a working knowledge of Hindi, Urdu, Spanish, and French. 
He holds a BA from Hamilton College, Clinton, New York, and an MBA with distinction from Bentley University, Waltham, Massachusetts. So, Zach, welcome to the show. And the first question for you is, please tell us more about your personal story. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Atley, for inviting me on your show. I appreciate this opportunity uh, to be here. Um, I guess I would say that, like most people in Canada, the majority of people in Canada, I immigrated to Canada in about 19, toward the end of 1997, and I've been here ever since. I had a very international upbringing. My father worked for the United Nations in the food and agriculture organization, so I grew up traveling to many countries, and which is why I was not only had my secondary school education in Italy and my graduate and postgraduate education in the United States before immigrating to Canada. I fully understand the issue that you are, we are covering uh, today and can relate to it. My company, Velo Mobile Health, is in particular involved in healthcare and in transforming healthcare systems around the world today. And we are working in different countries around the globe, in particular in the Central American region. And the issue of long-distance caregiving is very pertinent to what we're doing and, in, in fact, to healthcare in general today. Now, I want you to tell us about your work as the CEO of Velo Solutions. I, I want to be clear about these two companies so we understand how they differ Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to go back to Velo Mobile Health. But first of all, what, what's your work with C- a CEO of Velo Solutions? Well, at Velo Solutions, we are focused on the transport of international long-distance traffic between different countries around the world. Uh, in particular, what we generally tend to do is carry voice calls from, say, USA, North America, to South Asia and vice versa into different parts of the world. The, the business of uh, long-distance call is primarily a business of, uh, of serving different ethnic communities throughout Canada and around the world and connecting them back to their home countries. And that is different from Velo Mobile Health in the sense that Velo Mobile Health is about creating mobile applications which help people take better care of themselves by working to provide doctors with tools which are mobile-enabled and adaptable to the local mobile societies of today. Why did you create Velo Mobile Health? Well, you know, uh, there's an interesting story behind that. At uh, Velo Solutions, we were working with creating communication technologies, and we had... uh, invented a technology, basically, which would replicate a WhatsApp solution, which is a tool for people to send uh, text messaging to each other all across the world. Once we made this solution, we created a way to have two-way conversations from applications to mobile phones. Uh, We realized there are different applications for it. And at that time, I happened to be visiting my doctor, and I was sitting in the sick room with all the other patients, as usual in Canada, waiting you know, hours to see my doctor, and virtually everybody in the room with me had the flu. And I was just there for a normal diabetes checkup. So my first question was, 
to the reception was, can I go downstairs and have a coffee and come back when it's my time to be there? She's like, no, you can't do that. You have to wait here. And I realized at that moment that if I could apply my technology to the healthcare environment, then I could go downstairs for my coffee, and when I had finished, the receptionist could simply text message me telling me there's only one or two people in front of me. Then I wouldn't have to wait in the sick room and increase my probability of getting sick. I would just come back exactly when it was time for my appointment. That eventually gave me the idea of having two-way messaging for the healthcare sector, and it led me to study some of the workflow issues that people face in doctors' offices and doctors face in their everyday work, which then allowed me to create the complete vDoctor mobile health platform today, which uh, we are selling in the market. Can you give me an example of the two-way, the type of two-way communication um, between doctors and patients? The one you described, which I fully sure. understand. Well, what... if you think about it, uh, uh, Gordon, you know, what is the first point of contact a patient has with the healthcare system or with their doctor? The only reason, really, I ever call my doctor or want to talk to my doctor is when I'm sick. And before I can see the doctor, I have to have an appointment. So the first thing I do is call the receptionist and request an appointment. That process in Canada is extremely tough. If my doctor is very busy, as they often are here, it takes me several calls to get through to the secretary and book my appointment. So often I'm paying phone tag because I'm very busy. When she calls me, my phone is busy. When I call her, she's busy. And also that gave me the idea is a simple application if I could send a text message to the medical doctor's receptionist, she would have my text message, check her schedule, and automatically give me an appointment. And all it would take me is one simple text message to her, one text message back. And the issues with this is very simple. We went one step further. We made an intelligent schedule manager for the doctor. So I can send a text message and search he or her, her schedule and automatically make my appointment. And if that spot is busy, it would intelligently recommend to me another spot which I could take. In this manner, I save a lot of time and money for the doctor because now it's very efficient and very quick. What do the doctors say to you about that particular application, that is making appointments? Um, are they overjoyed at it? Are they um, kind of resistant to it? How do they see it? I think, you know, the medical community in general, is very resistant to change. However, what <laughs> yes. we have realized is there is an increasing tendency by the younger doctors to be adaptable and open to technology. And so the difference, I guess, is the older doctors are not really willing to change their existing habits. Younger doctors under 50 years old are quite happy and open to adapting this technology. Second, when they actually realize the benefits that ensuring that patients show up, because we know from research that, as per John Hopkins, for example, 58% of patients miss their appointments, don't show up, or forget their appointment, and this causes the doctor to lose time and money. If they could reduce that, that time lost by ensuring the patients show up, a significant amount of income is generated for doctors. In fact, our, our research and the, the experience of our software demonstrates that by utilizing our software, the doctor ensures a 95% or higher turnout of patients to their appointments compared to previous systems or the way it was before.
I can relate to that also because um, I'm now on the receiving end of doctor's <laughs> appointments rather than giving them out. Right, and right. Yeah, it's true. People, the doctor's office always calls me to remind me that I've got an appointment tomorrow. Yes. And that consumes time. It's not a very efficient thing. Exactly. Voice- In fact, if you want to relate that down, the average cost of an appointment with a doctor in Canada is anywhere between 3 and $5. That is the time it takes her to call you, answer your question, book into the system, and manage the phone tag in between to get you to respond to her call. That's a lot of money, isn't it, when you add it up over a busy practice where they're seeing dozens of, dozens of patients, maybe yes, a day, certainly a week. at a moment where... We are all about cutting healthcare costs and making it more efficient. This is a, a part of the healthcare equation that nobody has really studied very carefully. But we have made a rough estimate, for example, that if we, all, if we implemented our two-way text messaging system and intelligence scheduling in the healthcare system in Ontario, we could potentially save the government of Ontario almost $500 million a year. And that wow. is simply extrapolating from the U.K. experience, where by implementing a system of reminders, the United Kingdom saved almost a billion U.S. dollars a year. If you draw that same experience back to Canada, Ontario has a system which is approximately half the size of the U.K. healthcare system with a similar population half the size, then we would draw down the savings. At half the savings, we come out with that $500 million number. A big wow. number. Wow, fabulous. Now, talking of efficiencies and things, it's time for us to take the break, so we'll mm-hmm. do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Zach Hussain. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CGMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. News. Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
Welcome to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Zach Hussain. Our topic is continuous contact for intercontinental family caregiving. Zach, now let's talk about the long-distance communication needs in the multicultural and immigrant communities. Mm-hmm. And the, first, the first question is, who typically are long-distance family caregivers in these communities, and what does their family caregiving involve? Uh, generally, this, this obviously varies from culture to culture, but generally speaking, the eldest son is the primary uh, has the primary responsibilities for taking care of his or her parents. And often you see that the daughter of the same family is also has that same responsibility. In the Asian cultures in particular, it is the responsibility of the sons and daughters to take care of their elder parents, and this is inbred in our society. Um, so now what does that entail? Because we are all far away, and I'm in that similar position, it basically means that from here we send money to our parents, we send medicines to our parents, uh, we try to ensure that this, uh, our buying power allows them access to the best possible doctors in our native lands. And this is really all we can do because physically we are not there to take care of them. Now, what do you see as the most challenging of the communications challenges experienced in the circumstances you're talking about? That is, long-distance family caregivers caring for elderly parents, say, uh, in a community far away. What are the challenges? Uh, I think there are several challenges. One, there is a, a big emotional challenge because you feel a lot of pressure because you're not there to take care of them. Second, by not being there to take with them, you rely on other people to communicate to you what is actually going on on the ground. And you don't really have access to the full information. Nowadays, with tools like video conferencing, uh, we are able to, in some cases, at least if their parents live in the cities, have access to see them on the video conference and get a sense as to how they are, but there are big challenges because when they go to the doctors, you don't know what's going on, what the doctor has really said, and often because parents are overseas, they don't want to communicate to their children exactly how bad their health is because they're concerned about stressing us out and, and putting more pressure and responsibility to us because, as you know, it's, in Canada, it's very difficult for us to fly home at a moment's notice and take care of our parents. There's a lot of issues. Most of them live in India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. That is almost a 24-hour journey to go home. And then we have to deal with the local situation also. So there are several challenges that caregivers here face. And I would say the number one in many ways is the emotional one. Let's talk about the communications and cultural challenges for medical doctors in helping families in the communities you're talking about, uh, particularly meeting those challenges that arise because Mm -hmm. of the distance. Now, we're talking, I'm going to just clarify the question a little bit by saying there are medical doctors at both ends. That is, there is medical doctors here in North America who may be helping, and there are medical doctors... Um, in the country where the family member is living who may be helping. 
Let's talk about the communications and cultural challenges that arise in those kinds of situations. Um, well, <clears throat> there are several issues uh, that are encountered in, in between these doctors. Probably number one is the different variations and discussions of privacy. Doctors here in North America generally are highly reluctant to share any kind of information with family members, uh, at least more, slightly more distant family members, uh, because of different rules in patient privacy uh, uh, that exist in their associations. Asian cultures, there is a slightly more, uh, less higher standard privacy. It is generally expected that other members of the family are able to know the condition of their primary, the person who is sick, and find out what's going on. So if I wanted to make inquiries about that person from here, it would be easier for me to get information than somebody from, say, Bangladesh calling to get information on what's going on with me to my doctor. They would not be able to access that information. Um, in Velo Mobile Health, because we are focusing on patient health records, and EMRs, we do give access to the patients who is able to give access to all his or primary or secondary caregivers that he or she chooses to allow to see what is happening. That I just want to just want to clarify something. So just want to clarify something. When yes. you say um, you're looking at the records, which doctor are you talking about? Is it the doctor here in Canada or the doctor in the in South Asia, or is it them both? I think uh, it, 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 by regulation, it is more difficult to do that in Canada. It yes. is easier to do it over there. So in, in Bangladesh or India, I would give, the patient would give access to his primary caregivers to see the, uh, the, his or her's record. Understood. And so then, once the family caregiver who's living and working here in Canada has yes. that information, what happens next? There are a number of options here. As we know, the medical system is not as strong maybe in South Asian countries, or, and often you want to have access to a second opinion because the last thing or the most important thing that we all think about is our health, and we want to ensure we have access to the best doctors. For example, uh, in the case of Bangladesh, whose medical system is not the greatest, and often by having a look at those records, we are able to refer them to doctors in Singapore or India who have a better, higher quality healthcare systems, and we can take decisions on whether we need to send our patients to those doctors in those countries and pay for them to go there to have their surgery operations, and, and is that the right course of action? Uh, our approach to the healthcare system is that we are able to not only maintain health records, we're also able to develop ratings on the doctors that exist in the system, and we can try and ensure that people are able to select better doctors and send their parents to those doctors who they believe will provide the best possible care within their financial means. So I just want to summarize. What you are enabling the family caregiver here in North America to do is to organize the caring um, of the parent uh, 
or the parents in the country where the parent lives or is living. Yes, he or she is able to take better, more informed decisions on the medical conditions of their parents or relatives and by able to to then decide if further more advanced care or last-ditch opportunities to uh, improve the situation need to be taken. And they're better able to make those decisions and then send the money back home to their parents or other relatives who can then spend it appropriately. When it comes to a decision for someone here in, in North America about the quality of care or the type of care needed, would the family he, here in North America consult a North American doctor and get advice about what that doctor thinks about the suitability or the usefulness or whatever of the care that is being proposed this elsewhere? traditionally is not... Uh is not truly accessible to us. Those family physicians who are working with us, taking care of us here, often they may be willing to provide some informal advice. I think legally they're not able to provide the appropriate advice, but if they're good friends of yours, they can suggest the alternative courses of actions. So it is difficult to get that care, at least in Canada. Uh, sometimes because we are able to show them the complete medical history, uh, then they're able to make some kind of decision or at least make some kind of suggestion. In most typical cases, they don't want to put themselves at a liability risk by saying anything. Uh, so that isn't a difficulty. Um, we at Vila Mobile Health are working to transcend some of these issues by trying to enable communication technologies such as telemedicine, like uh, video conferencing, so at least the doctor is able to have a face-to-face -face discussion and make some kind of basic prognosis based on the available information to them. Um, but in general, this is very difficult for doctors in North America too, at least in the Canadian system. In the U.S. system, which is, has a much more uh, privatized healthcare. Doctors there are willing to review the records and suggest uh, different courses of action, which could involve flying them to the United States for care at a, at a hospital here. Uh, in general, because of the financial issues involved, uh, in the case of Bangladesh, most people would generally go to Singapore or India for those kinds of treatments. Uh, Indians are luckily have a pretty good healthcare system. They just have to go to some different states to get that. So what's happening also is a, an internationalization of caring. That is to say, you pick the country where the care appears to be best for the family member. Yes. You arrange it, you can arrange it without having to travel. Um, you can make sure that the documentation flows from wherever one place where it should where it is to another place where it should be and we're going to talk about this more in the next segment but mm -hmm. um what you do then could start to affect the way 
doctors in Canada and North America view international medicine. Obviously, they have their liabilities and their challenges, but at the same time, our world is changing, and maybe, and I once was one, maybe doctors are going to see the opportunity to change. So on that point, we're back to taking the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adler, my guest is Zach Hussain. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Zach Hussain. Our topic is continuous um, contact for intercontinental family caregiving. Zach, now I want to, you to talk about the services provided or planned by Velo Mobile Health to help long-distance caring, especially in the developing world. So first of all, what services are you actually providing now? Who uses them and how are they used to help long-distance family caregiving? Uh, Velo Mobile Health uh, has a systemic approach to the issue of healthcare. We believe that is the only way to, first of all, contain costs and create a system which is both patient-focused 
and doctor-centric. I, I use those terms because most of the systems today are not patient-focused in the sense that they claim to have the patient at the center of the system, but in reality, they do everything possible to make life difficult for the patient. And they are already doctor-centric, but they are not enabled for a mobile society. And this is a challenge that Zillow Mobile Health is seeking to address. The first product that we have that addresses this issue or approach to this problem is by providing the patient messaging, the V-doctor patient messaging and scheduling system. The system touches the point of care, which is the, doc- the patient sends a text message to the doctor requesting an appointment. So we handle the issue by text messaging. Remember, in the developing world, the predominant population are young. 80% in general are all under 40 years of age, and the remaining 20% are slightly older. This is generally true in India, Bangladesh, and virtually all Latin America and most of the developing world. Young people know how to text, and they're more likely to text than actually to call you. So our first product that we've envisioned is a system of two-way texting where I will text and discuss with my doctor what do I need to discuss and make my appointment so I can come and see him. And we have made that process as painless as possible by creating a system of automated appointments where the system recommends you uh, your first available slot, where the doctor with one press of a button can send a text message to thousands of his patients and have everybody come in for a flu shot over a period of week where everybody self-schedules themselves into the system. So this is the initial product that we are addressing. Moving on, the next product module that we are coming out is a system of electronic prescriptions. This will allow the doctor to check all the available medications in the country and automatically, electronically, sorry, write a prescription in the system, which will then be delivered directly to the pharmacy, who will then fulfill the prescription and text you to let you know that your prescription is ready and you can pick it up. Additionally, we are, we are planning to link the different uh, diagnostic labs into the system because if you look at what a doctor does, the most basic thing the doctor does almost every single day with every patient is issue a prescription. Second thing is he needs to gather more information on your condition so they can go back and study your problem and finally issue a remedy. So what they do is they issue requisitions to diagnostic labs where you have to go get all the tests and then all these tests have to flow back to the doctor who reviews this information, compares it to your patient history, and recommends a course of care, which could be therapy, which could be prescriptions, which could be surgery. So all that information has to be collected in an electronic medical record system. Our approach to this issue is that in developing countries, they don't have the fiber DSL links that we have in North America. So all that information needs to be delivered to the doctor via mobile devices and managed on the cloud. And this is what we are providing, a cloud-based mobile EMR system that incorporates appointment-making, patient-doctor communications, interconnections to pharmacies, laboratories, and a complete secure mobile private network that is independent of the landline and can run regardless of the the Internet problems or the power electricity problems 
or even natural disasters that happen in developing countries every single day. I just want you to explain the cloud and the, these technologies that go with it. Tell us what those are. Well, I guess the cloud is this big thing that's existing where all Internet is really, it's really the Internet. It's, we can call that a cloud or several clouds. And so information is stored in the cloud, literally means at the end it is physically stored in servers in different locations around the world. And when we say the cloud, the, it is so huge, there's lots of different places where it could be shown. This capacity to store information is almost limitless. And the advantage of a cloud-based service is you don't have to store information in your computers. So you don't have to worry about your computer hard drive dying or something. It is always backed up to the Internet cloud where you can always retrieve the information from. And I guess that is the, what we mean by cloud software as a service, meaning you, we are always updating the system. We always maintain the security. We take care of all the issues so you don't have to look for tax in countries where they may, there may be no tax. Everything is maintained for you and handled securely for you. And that means, does it, that a record, or for that matter, an electronic prescription, can be generated on one continent and quickly received and acted on, read, and taken notice of uh, on another continent? Is that exactly, the idea of the cloud? Uh, that is exactly correct. It would uh, suggest that a doctor in Canada could scan his prescription send it over to another doctor via email. That doctor would retrieve that, and he would decide based on the available history, which he or she would also have access to, that this is the correct prescription, and endorse that prescription and give it to the patient or even uh, forward it directly to the pharmacy for, for, for fulfillment for the, doctor, for the patient. Okay. It now, my next allow you... Because in our vision, we are connecting different countries and doctors everywhere to be able to tap the single best doctor in the world who could take care of you. That's a, quite, that's a very ambitious project. But let's talk about that. I, I want to know more about how the existing and planned services help medical practitioners care for families <clears throat> with family members in the developing world. You've described various of the challenges mm -hmm. um, and the difficulties, but you're also describing a solution to that. Yes. Please talk more about how you're going to help medical practitioners enter this international world of care. Okay, let, let's take a, 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 a simple example. Um, if, for example, you were... Today, you were sitting in Bangladesh, and you had uh, some kind of hepatitis B. It's a, it's a very serious uh, problem, and potentially it could kill you. Uh, and now, we, there are no medicines in the country. But yet in Canada, there is a vaccine for this, right? Now, the doctor, by having a complete record, would not have access to a solution. But because we know that that vaccine exists in Canada, it is possible for me as a caregiver to fly my relative here and with the, all the available information, my complete medical history, my diagnostic tests, my medication history, 
I could show that to the doctor here, and he could very quickly, without having to order lots of more tests, he can prescribe me that vaccine, which I would then get, and eventually it would save my life. And that would be, I think, a very simple example of, of how we could take advantage of a borderless medical world. In addition, because in our system we are linking doctors together, a really good example that people are normally facing all the time that we can resolve in our system is often in the developing world there, is, uh, there are cholera outbreaks. And cholera outbreaks are typically restricted to a certain zone. But if somebody did not know what was going on, they could easily go to that area and be infected. In our system, a doctor would, once he'd identified this outbreak, would very quickly inform every single doctor in the system. And by this process, we could very quickly isolate and restrict the areas where the disease is spreading. And this would be a, a, a prime example, for example, in the latest uh, SARS-like virus that is taking place in Saudi Arabia. If that had occurred in a country where our system is being deployed, we would very quickly be able to identify the first patient and work to find a vaccine for that problem. We are actually That's... the fastest, most rapid response medical system in the world today because of that. Zach, that's a very powerful public health instrument for public health. Um, one of my medical specialties was public health, mm -hmm. and what it means is taking care of communities where illness is spreading through a community, yeah. taking the steps to stop the spread, taking the steps to protect people against the illness, and taking steps to care for people who develop the um, the, the illness. And what you've just described to me um, seems to me a revolution in the way that the kind of serious conditions that you've been talking about, the particular one, cholera, yeah. um, can be handled much, much better in the future than they're handled now everywhere, not just in the developing yeah, th world. Yeah, this is correct because, you know, SMS is the fastest, most rapid form of communication existing today. And it quickly diffuses information everywhere. And because we're building a medical private network, very quickly where all doctors can communicate to each other within our system, the doctor very quickly can inform everybody within the system that this is the problem being faced today. So the more doctors who are in our system, the more powerful we become. And even because we only in informed, let's say, a couple of hundred doctors, they will be able to spread the message further to every single other doctor. And a country's emergency response unit, if they're utilizing my system or part of my system, can very quickly execute the various disaster management plans that it has on file already and send a message to everyone saying, execute disaster plan A, B, C, D. And that will generate the fastest possible response that really is possible in an emergency situation in the world today. Very exciting. Now, it's time to take the break again. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Zach Hussain. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, Papal River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Zach Hussain. Our topic is continuous contact for intercontinental family caregiving. Zach, let's talk now about more things that you want to do to help long-distance caregiving, and I'm now going to say long-distance public health in the kind of ways you've just been describing it, um, by the immigrant and multicultural communities for the family members living in the developing world and also by the medical professionals right across the world. So the first thing, First question then, Zach, is what more do you want to do to help um, these long-distance challenges? Um, you know, uh, for the past uh, several months, as I'm formulating my company, I have traveled around to various medical shows and in the U.S., Canada, and Central America, and talking to various people even in South Africa. And I see their, their tremendous challenges. And I've run across lots of really good ideas that I'm looking forward to also implement in our system that will increase the power of our system and make it even more relevant. Uh, I believe that, for example, one of these capabilities uh, is the capability of remote management and remote uh, sensors. Uh, today, it's possible using sensor technology to collect information from really far away, as far away from Bangladesh or even in in uh, in Guatemala. And I believe that remote sensory uh, data collection will be very important in long-distance caregiving. It allows us to take pulses, to take temperatures, to take uh, uh, records of uh, my. Uh, my uh, heartbeats or even my blood pressure and or glucose meter readings, this information correlated together can provide emergency warning signs of what is happening to the patient. And once we have this patient, by implementing a system of alarms and monitoring, we can very quickly 
deploy resources to take care of a patient. So, for example, uh, let's say, Gordon, you were traveling in Scotland and, and you had our sensor on and somehow you were having the early signs of a heart attack. We are very quickly able to mobilize the local ambulatory resources to get you to the hospital to ensure that, you know, you are kept alive. So I, I see a lot of tremendous applications in that sector, particularly with the improvement in system technologies and the dropping price points here. And this is going to be a big part. Uh, one of the great ideas that I saw uh, by a company in the United States was called Second Opinion. And all they did in their idea is to gather the best experts in the medical profession and make these doctors available on a consulting basis. So, for example, if I went to a doctor and he diagnosed that I had a cancer, it was untreatable, and I was not satisfied. I wanted a second opinion. I could send my medical files and records to this doctor who is one of the top specialists in his field, and he could review that information and give me an alternative second advice. Many times we go to a doctor and we're not satisfied. We don't think he's right. We want another doctor to give an opinion to confirm or to disprove the first doctor's uh, recommendation. And I see tremendous applications of that. And another interesting application that I've seen recently, and in particular it has long-distance applications, is uh, psychiatry. A lot of kids in the rural areas in different countries don't have access to a trained body of psychiatrists or psychologists. And through the use of video conferencing technologies or even texting in some cases, this kind of uh, medical uh, uh, med- medical advice and help is available for you. So there are a lot of different areas, and as the more we talk with doctors, we are finding tremendous new applications for our technology, everything from medication reminders to reducing uh, post-operative uh, readmissions, which is a huge area in healthcare. And we are working to build a better system which reduces costs and delivers better care for patients because we believe here that health care is for everyone, the rich and the poor, and it must be accessible and not restricted to just a few people only. I think with the digitization of health records around the world, the world becomes a flatter place and we are enabling that care to be available and to be found. I'm just going to add a very quick point to see what you think about it. You mentioned psychiatry, psychiatrists, mental illness. Um, Mental illnesses, respect, no culture, no religion, no race, no profession. They strike families, people, and they need help. And one of the ways they need help is, of course, skilled medical or nursing advice. But another way they need help as families, is information about what to do, what to expect, what it all means. And that's leading to the idea of the family care guideline. And it seems to me that part of this um, cloud world that you're talking about might well have an opportunity for bringing information, it might be written or it might be spoken information, that helps families deal with their situations as they are, um, even when they cannot get all the help they need. At least they can have some support for the things that they can do that are going to be helpful, even if they 
um, don't do all the things that perhaps a psychiatrist would advise. Just a quick reaction. What do you think about that? Um, I think it, it is definitely feasible. Uh, this is a very difficult uh, personal uh, situation that many people often find themselves in. It is difficult to gather information because it is a very private matter. Um, what we are doing here, rather than, I guess, the sharing of patient information, is part of our system allows doctors to socialize with each other. Everybody in our system is a verified identity, which meaning you would have to be a real psychologist or a real doctor to be in our system, licensing our system. And consequently, doctors have many issues that they don't know about, and they're also seeking to find better information so they can be better doctors and they can learn from each other. And today, if they were able to socialize with each other and discuss issues in a non-anonymous manner without revealing patient identities, I think they're more likely to to talk to each other and find new and better ways to take care of their patients. And that is that sharing and that collaboration is something that is a mandate within our system and something that we enable uh, in a secure manner for doctors. Right. Now, very last question, quickly, but it's an important one. What's your message for long-distance family caregivers, Zach? I would uh, say that... uh, you know, it's, it's hard taking care of your parents and your relatives when you're far away. And about the only thing you can do is really many cases send money. But if there were systems like ours in the developing world, they would, impro- they would improve the care of people and they would allow distant caregivers to also participate in that care. And research the best possible care available. And that is part of our mandate to transform developing countries' healthcare systems, to redefine and reimagine the way healthcare can be provided to everyone, and that there is no reason that people in developing countries should not have access to state-of-the-art information systems that allow the best possible care a country can deliver or even the world can deliver to be available to your uh, your loved ones. And to be supported in caring for their loved ones, whether they're living in the same home or thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers away. absolutely, yes. Okay, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this very interesting and exciting episode, so I just want to say thanks to Zach. Yeah, thank you, Gordon for everything and I want to wish all of you every success in what you're doing because it's important it brings hope it brings a sense of change it brings a sense of development and it brings a sense that we all could work together better for everybody's benefit using this kind of technology I want to thank you to say thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners i'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show in our next episode we'll talk about family caregivers and public health messages about sexually transmitted infections please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then uh-huh.
Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.